Hi everyone, this is Dr. Gayla. Welcome to your Health Connection. It's great to be with you. This podcast is designed to give you natural solutions to your health problems based upon my 35 years of experience as a functional medicine practitioner. I love helping individuals experiencing complicated conditions when nothing else has worked. Each week I'll be giving you health tips and strategies that you can implement to improve your health and function at your best. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Did you know that insulin resistance is at the root of almost every chronic disease, including heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, obesity, migraines, dementia, high blood pressure, osteoarthritis, stroke, increased body fat, PCOS, low levels of testosterone, and premature aging. It's the most common disorder worldwide, and half of all U.S. adults have insulin resistance. Today we'll be discussing the symptoms, the best tests to run, and how you can naturally decrease insulin resistance and improve insulin sensitivity. Let's begin by taking a look at how insulin works in your body. After you eat, your body digests carbohydrates, and glucose, also called blood sugar, increases in your bloodstream. To keep your blood sugar levels normal, your pancreas produces and releases a hormone called insulin. Insulin escorts sugar out of your blood and into your muscle, fat, and liver cells. Every cell in your body has insulin receptors, and insulin's job is to deliver sugar into your cells to use for energy production. If your insulin levels are constantly elevated, you'll develop insulin resistance. When there's too much sugar in your bloodstream, insulin will be knocking on your cell's door too frequently, and your cells will get frustrated and lock the doors completely. When this happens, your cells resist insulin's request for entry. Your cells become insulin resistant and do not receive the sugar they need to produce energy. As this process progresses, your cells need more insulin to clear the sugar from your blood, and at some point your pancreas may not be able to keep up with the demand for insulin. Your cells won't get the energy they need to operate, and eventually your blood sugar levels may rise above normal levels, leading first to prediabetes and then to type 2 diabetes. Over 45% of U.S. adults are nearly 1 in 2 have prediabetes or diabetes, according to the CDC, and the number jumps to nearly 3 in 4 for adults over 65 years. Reduced insulin sensitivity not only increases your risk for diabetes, it also increases your risk for heart disease, kidney disease, stroke, and Alzheimer's. Diabetes is not a blood sugar disease, it's an insulin disease. Type 2 diabetes is a problem of elevated insulin. It's due to a prolonged state of elevated insulin and a progressive loss of insulin's actions. Let's look at the causes of insulin resistance. Eating the standard American diet, also called the SAD diet, will ensure that your insulin levels will be constantly elevated. If you're eating bread, cereals, bagels, pasta, sugary snacks, processed foods, and drinking soda or other sugary drinks, your insulin levels will be constantly elevated throughout the day and lead to insulin resistance. Obesity is a key cause of insulin resistance, and carrying extra weight around your abdomen worsens insulin resistance. Being sedentary and lack of sleep also causes insulin resistance. Insulin resistance frequently has no symptoms, and you can have this condition for several years without even knowing it. 
but a sign of severe insulin resistance is a skin condition that causes dark patches on your neck, elbows, knees, knuckles, and armpits. Some common signs and symptoms of insulin resistance include being obese and having a waistline of over 40 inches if you're a male and over 35 inches if you're a female, experiencing fatigue after eating, feeling your best if you eat every few hours, having hormone imbalances including PCOS and infertility in women, craving carbohydrate foods such as pasta, bread, sweets, and sweetened beverages, having acne, inflammation, blood pressure readings of 130 over 80 or higher, a fasting glucose or blood sugar level over 100, an HDL cholesterol level under 50, or a fasting triglyceride level of over 100. Let's go over the best test to run. The best test to run is a fasting insulin level. Your level should be less than 5, and a level higher than 8 indicates some degree of insulin resistance. Your insulin should never rise above 30 if you do a two-hour glucose tolerance test. Having high levels of insulin means that your cell, the cells in your body have become resistant to insulin's effort to get sugar inside your cells, so your pancreas will overcompensate by flooding your body with high levels of insulin to force your cells to open up and take in the sugar. A fasting glucose level should be less than 85 and never rise above 110 or 120 after one and two hour checks. You should check your levels of C-peptide. This is an indicator of how well your body is using insulin. A high level can mean that you have insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes. A normal C-peptide range is 0.5 to 2. You also want to check for inflammation by running a C-reactive protein or CRP. High levels of CRP have been associated with insulin resistance. Also, check your ferritin levels because high levels of ferritin have been associated with insulin resistance. Vitamin D deficiency is one of the factors accelerating insulin resistance, and the results of clinical research has shown that taking vitamin D can reduce insulin resistance and related pathologies. It's important to run a thyroid panel that includes TSH, T4, T3 uptake, and TPO. Because low thyroid or hypothyroidism lowers your insulin sensitivity and may cause insulin resistance, and those with hypothyroidism tend to have weight issues and an increased risk for developing type 2 diabetes. I recommend ordering a Dutch hormone panel to check your levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, cortisol, and epinephrine. Estrogen optimizes insulin activity and as you age and enter menopause, your estrogen levels decrease. Low estrogen has been linked to insulin resistance, which is why most postmenopausal women tend to gain weight, especially in their midsection, and have an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Low progesterone levels can lead to polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is directly connected to insulin resistance. Whenever there's an increase in sugar, it decreases your free testosterone levels, and that can lead to estrogen dominance and insulin resistance. Cortisol and epinephrine are fight-or-flight hormones that stimulate your liver to produce more sugar, increase the amount of insulin that reaches your fat and muscle cells to produce energy so that you can run away from the perceived danger. If your body's in a constant state of stress or high anxiety, 
High cortisol and adrenaline levels can cause in insulin resistance. I highly recommend doing a GI map DNA stool test. This test checks for bacteria, fungal forms, viral pathogens, as well as parasites and worms. It also checks your levels of digestive enzymes, your immune function, and your levels of inflammation. Over the past 10 years, data from different sources have established a causal link between your intestinal microbiota and obesity and insulin resistance. Your gut microbiota is the population of microbes in your gut. You have over 100 trillion different types of microbes in your gut. If you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria in your gut from eating a poor diet, experiencing high amounts of stress, or taking antibiotics, you can develop what's called a leaky gut or intestinal dysbiosis. If you'd like detailed information regarding your gut health, please listen to podcast number three. If you have a leaky gut, unwanted particles of undigested food, bacteria, and toxins can lead through the lining in your small intestine and into your blood. Your immune system will recognize these particles as foreign and create inflammatory chemicals. This can lead to systemic inflammation and insulin resistance. It's also important to check for IgE and IgG antibodies in your blood by doing a food allergy test to address food sensitivities and allergies because if you have food sensitivities, you're going to have increased inflammation. Inflammation can make you more prone to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes and make weight gain easily, easier and weight loss more difficult. To overcome insulin resistance, it's crucial to balance your gut flora by identifying and killing pathogens in your gut, reestablishing normal probiotic balance, and sealing your intestinal lining to stop the inflammatory process. If your blood tests show high amounts of insulin, you need to address these things that are keeping your body out of balance and include what's needed to help you, your body rebalance itself, even if you currently do not have any symptoms. Because if you don't, insulin resistance can lead to type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and Alzheimer's. Insulin resistance has a negative effect on your blood vessels and can lead to an increase in the number of heart cells, structural abnormalities in your heart, and increase your risk for heart failure and heart attacks. Insulin resistance can also increase your risk for Alzheimer's disease. Your brain contains insulin glucose transporters, and when your brain becomes insulin resistant, its ability to utilize glucose for fuel is diminished. Alzheimer's is actually now called type 3 diabetes, meaning that you have insulin resistance and high blood sugar levels. Let's take a look at what you can do to prevent treat and reverse insulin resistance. The first step is to follow an anti-inflammatory, low carbohydrate, low glycemic, high fiber diet consisting of whole fresh foods that focus on healthy protein, fats, and vegetables. Following this diet will lead to weight loss and improve your insulin sensitivity. If you're not eating sugar or simple carbohydrates, you'll have less sugar entering your bloodstream and less need for higher levels of insulin to move sugar out of your blood and into your cells. In a 2006 study, both groups had equal weight loss, showing that it was the composition of the diet, not the weight loss alone, that was the most effective intervention to bring insulin levels down. If you eat a low-calorie diet that has lots of simple carbohydrates in it, like many of the weight loss programs you see advertised on TV, you may lose the weight 
but you'll not bring down your insulin levels and the weight will come back when you stop eating that program. The best foods to eat when on an insulin-lowering fat loss diet include pastured meats, pastured poultry, wild-caught fish. Eating protein is very important for balancing your insulin levels. Eating 1 to 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Eat organic nuts and seeds. Fill your plate with lots of organic vegetables, especially dark green leafy vegetables, and limit your intake of beets and potatoes to about twice per week because they're higher in sugar. Eat organic low-sugar fruits such as berries, kiwi, lemon, lime, avocado, and watermelon. Consume high-quality oils including olive, coconut, and avocado. Make sure that your fruits and vegetables are organic because environmental toxins are thought to contribute to insulin resistance. In a meta-analysis of 21 earlier studies involving more than 66,000 people, investigators found that being exposed to any type of pesticide was associated with a 61% increased risk of type 2 diabetes, with some pesticides appearing riskier than others. Exposure to endocrine-disrupting chemicals can also provoke precursors to diabetes and even diabetes itself. These endocrine-disrupting chemicals have been shown to do everything from raising your serum blood sugar levels to setting off high levels of insulin, worsening glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity, and in reducing insulin-stimulated glucose uptake. Endocrine-disrupting chemicals may also mimic or interfere with your body's hormone balance. Let's look at what we should avoid. It's really important to avoid all gluten products, including wheat, oats, corn, rye, barley. Avoid all milk products, such as yogurt, cheese, any dairy products, because milk is very inflammatory. Avoid bread, crackers, bagels, rice. Avoid all refined oils, including canola, safflower, sunflower, corn, and peanut oil, and all packaged and processed foods that contain these oils. You'll also want to avoid fruit juice and dried fruit because they're too high in sugar. Remove all sweeteners because artificial sweeteners can raise your insulin levels and contribute to insulin resistance. One study in the journal Diabetes found sucralose, also known as Splenda, could raise glucose and insulin levels. Give up all sugar, but also give up stevia, aspartame, sucralose, sugar alcohols, and all the other heavily used and marketed sweeteners unless you want to slow down your metabolism, gain weight, and increase insulin resistance. Dietary sugars of all kinds and refined vegetable oils are the biggest contributors to inflammation. They increase insulin levels and turn on genes that lead to chronic inflammation, creating a downward spiral into more inflammation, poor blood sugar control, and chronic disease. Increase fiber-rich foods. Whereas our Paleolithic ancestors got about 50 to 100 grams of fiber per day, we now average less than 15 grams. Studies show high-fiber foods can be as effective as diabetes medications to lower blood sugar without the side effects. Fiber slows sugar absorption into your bloodstream from your gut. Eat a wide variety of fiber-rich plant-based foods such as nuts, seeds, low-sugar fruits, and vegetables. A study in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism found in healthy subjects even a partial night of poor sleep contributes to insulin resistance. 
Make sleep a top priority to normalize your insulin levels. Avoid eating three hours before you go to bed. Take a warm bath to raise your body temperature and relax your muscles. And go to bed and wake up at consistent times. Remove the electronics from your bedroom, your phone, your watch, anything that's electronic, your laptop. And try herbal therapies or melatonin if necessary. It's also very important to address any nutrient deficiencies. Deficiencies in any nutrient can make you more insulin resistant. A number of nutrients play a role in insulin management, including the following. Adequate intake of vitamin D is associated with a reduced risk of developing diabetes and obesity and can improve blood sugar and insulin sensitivity in both. I recommend checking your blood levels of vitamin D, and if your level is less than 50, take about 1,000 units or IUs or more per day. Chromium helps to metabolize carbohydrates and fats, and when added regularly to your diet or as a supplement, can have a beneficial effect on both glucose and insulin levels. I recommend taking about 200 micrograms of chromium picolinate two to three times a day if you have insulin resistance. Magnesium helps to protect against insulin resistance, and research shows that magnesium supplementation greatly benefits those who have type 2 diabetes. A study titled Half of All Americans Are Magnesium Deficient, published in the July 2020 issue of the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association, emphasized the importance of taking magnesium. I recommend taking about 400 milligrams of magnesium glycinate daily. Several clinical trials have now found alpha-lipoic acid may increase insulin sensitivity and help reduce blood sugar levels in lipids, largely through improving measures of oxidative stress and inflammation. In a study, patients were given 600 milligrams IV of alpha-lipoic acid daily for two weeks. Finding this therapy led to improvements in fasting and average glucose, insulin sensitivity, plus had beneficial effects on LDL, HDL, and total cholesterol. I I recommend taking 300 to 600 milligrams of alpha-lipoic acid per day. Vanadium is a mineral that can restore elevated blood glucose levels to healthy levels, as well as reduce the amount of insulin required to facilitate proper glucose absorption, otherwise known as increasing insulin sensitivity. I recommend taking about 15 milligrams daily of vanadyl sulfate. Omega-3 fatty acids have the potential to increase insulin sensitivity and reduce inflammation. Omega-3 fatty acid fish oil supplements are a great way to get omega-3s. I recommend taking 1,000 IUs daily, as well as consuming a wild-caught cold-water fatty fish, nuts, and seeds. Scientific literature shows several herbs can lower blood sugar and improve insulin sensitivity, including cinnamon, gymnema, berberine, resveratrol, fenugreek, and ginseng. If you have sugar cravings, if you open a capsule of gymnema and just place a few granules on your tongue, it instantly gets rid of a sugar craving. I also recommend taking one three times a day with meals to help balance your blood sugar. Studies have shown that probiotics can cause a significant increase in insulin sensitivity, better fasting glucose levels and insulin levels, and increase glucose uptake from your bloodstream into your body. If you have gas and bloating, take soil-based probiotics first. Identify and kill any pathogens 
and then replace broad-spectrum probiotics as well as adding glutamine and zinc to seal your gut lining. Incorporate the right exercise. Exercise might be the most powerful medicine to manage blood sugar levels and make your cells more insulin sensitive. When it comes to exercise, time becomes a huge hurdle for many people. A study in the Journal of Obesity found that among its other benefits, burst training helped decrease fasting insulin and reduce insulin resistance. Burst training is a type of workout that requires exercising at 90 to 100% of your maximum heart rate, followed by 30 to 60 seconds of lower intensity exercising or resting. A study has shown that people who practice burst training lose six times more fat than those who indulge in long-distance cardio exercises. Combining burst training with weight resistance provides the most effective, efficient way to normalize your blood sugar and insulin levels. We know that chronic stress elevates cortisol and that increased cortisol levels elevate your blood sugar and promote the accumulation of belly fat. I commonly see this in patients who have insulin resistance or diabetes. Figuring out what works best for you to relieve stress is an important step in your healing. Deep breathing, meditation, going for a walk, a run, whatever you need to prevent yourself from slipping into a state of chronic stress. It's important to find the time and do it. The best way of dealing with stress that I've discovered is gaining an understanding of something called the three principles. About three years ago, my husband and I were introduced to this simple explanation about how our minds work and that our feelings are a result of our thinking. What I love about the three principles is that there's no technique, there's nothing you have to do, nothing you have to buy, and you don't have to go anywhere to discover it. You simply watch free YouTube videos and discover how simple it is. My favorite speaker is Dickon Bettinger, that's B-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. He's a PhD psychologist. Most of the facilitators of the three principles are psychologists and psychiatrists. If you'd like a consultation or any of the products I mentioned today, please visit me at drgala.com, that's D-R-G-A-I-L-A.com, and click on podcast. Also, please follow and like our page and stay in touch by hitting subscribe. I thank you so much for listening.